five's a crowd. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Sammy. I love you. All right, guys. Let's get it. Man, KD tells little Nikki not to fear. There's still trouble for the Lake Show, and Marcus Smart has some choice words for Rudy Gobert. I'm Rosa Panta. This is the Clinic All-NBA Podcast. I have the two hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? Feeling good. Feeling great. Isaiah Ryder or Harold Miner, former slam dunk champions. Oh, John, how you living? I'm living great, and I'm going to go with J.R. Ryder, the first to do the in-dunk through the legs yeah and i'm gonna bring in the video producer here rj how you living man i'm doing good i'm gonna say writer as well yeah i'm gonna go with writer too jj who you going with Ooh, i like both for argument's sake i'll say harold minor and he was pretty nasty in nba jam so oh harold minor yeah anyway we're gonna get to some news here the milwaukee bucks and the Brooklyn Nets squared off tonight. The Bucks ended up winning in a close game, 120 to 119, with Giannis hitting a clutch three to send the game into overtime. After the game, Nick Wright, he got on Twitter, he was filling his Twitter fingers, and he said, I feel for KD. He had to be the second best of LeBron for a decade, and the moment he might have passed LeBron, Giannis passed him. Second player out of high school, second pick in the draft, second best player in the NBA for life. Legit awful luck. What do you guys think of Nick Wright's statement? Do you think it's true? Excuse me. Hell no. It's not true. (laughs) Hell no. Why you say that? Why you say that? I'm pretty sure that right after Katie won the chips with the Warriors, people considered him the best even past LeBron that was in a lot of sports talk last year right after the Buck series people considered him the best so to you know categorize him as second is of course debatable but the point of Nick Wright of him saying that and I think everyone feels this is that he just wants to throw shade no props just straight shade that's my feeling, what he's trying to do. Get the f- out! Yeah, he's throwing mad shade, for sure. And everybody knows that Nick Wright is a LeBron stan. He always has been. He praises him any chance he gets, even when he's not the topic of conversation. Yeah, he's like the polar and opposite of Skip, right? Yes, he is yeah. the polar opposite of Skip. Skip's enemy. The, the antith- antithesis of Skip Bayless. So, I... To me, it's just hate, like JJ said. And if anything, it's a compliment in my book because mm-hmm. when you're thinking of somebody who is closest to LeBron, in my eyes, I would always say that it would, it would probably be Kevin Durant. And I think that holds true. And I think that's what he's kind of implying here that KD really has no weaknesses in his game other than maybe distributing the ball, right? If we're talking about weaknesses, he can do everything on the offensive end. Defensively, he's pretty, he's elite. And LeBron probably only has them in passing. But if I were to say, like, pound for pound and strength for strength, KD is close to LeBron. And the only thing obviously separating them are MVPs and titles. But 
they're they're a lot closer than people give them credit for, I would say. Pretty Yeah, I would 100 pretty good. percent agree. I think if not for injuries, KD would have been the best player, you know, for another two years if, if we were thinking about the time that he was with the Warriors and ended up getting injured. But we're going to move on to the next topic here. The Lake Show, man. The Lakers are in trouble. Currently, they sit at 10th in the West. But, I mean, the Spurs are right there, surprisingly. They could actually miss the playoffs. What do you guys think of the Lakers situation right now? Help! I'm going to be Sammy for a second because I know our brother is not here on Shout the episode. Shout out to Sammy. So I'm going to play his role for now. The Lakers are terrible. They're absolutely terrible. And you know what? I would be a lot happier at this point if they didn't make the plan. What? Because I don't want them to be embarrassed on national television. I don't want to see them get trounced by the Pelicans or lose to the Minnesota Timberwolves and have <laughs> just be clowning all the time. I like for me it's I know that that sounds whack as a fan, but honestly I just don't see them progressing far and I think that the sooner that the season ends, the 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 less pain that I'll be in because it's just been a rough season, man. They've for whatever reason, I don't want to blame it on injuries. I don't want to blame it on on uh, inconsistencies and different lineups. But the reality is, is that we just haven't played hard. There's no excuse for being almost not even in the play-in. I mean, Adam Silver is the only reason that we have a chance at the playoffs at this point. Otherwise, we'd be lad the laughing stock of the West and the entire NBA because the expectations coming into the season were either the Western Conference Finals or the championship. So. Honestly, I, I'm just like, I'm kind of, I'm really disappointed, but at this point, I'd rather just see the season end and look, in, look to more brighter pastures, I guess I would say. John is in a dark place right now, the resident Laker. Yeah. I know, that's <laughs> making me sad. Like, JJ, is there anything that you could say to cheer this man up? I mean, I'm going to play John's role if John's going to play Sammy's Ooh, we role. We traded places I, here. Yeah, like, I've been... We've been t chatting with this guy, hanging out with John all the time, and I'm going to just take what he tells us and tell our listeners what John says, which is basically, the Lakers haven't been healthy. AD, Westbrook, LeBron, that trio has yet to be seen. And when they, when they have been on the court, there are promising signs. And I guarantee you, there's not one team that wants to face the Lakers in the play-in, let alone a seven-game series against LeBron and AD. And I want to see that. Like, that's not only from, like, a basketball fan standpoint, but the casual fan who doesn't really watch basketball on a daily basis, they want to see the Lakers. They want to see LeBron. And you just never know, man. Like, we always say that you just want your team to have a chance to have a ticket for the, the dance. And the Lakers could have that ticket if they play well. And a telling sign that LeBron James is probably going to come back is that in order to qualify to get the scoring title, he needs to play three more games. And with this kind of a blank show from the Lakers, the one silver lining is that LeBron can win the scoring title. 
people are even judging him that he's only playing late in games when they're getting blown out just to pad his stats. So I don't think that's going to stop LeBron from playing those three games that are necessary to win that title. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm kind of worried for the Lakers, though. I don't know if they're actually going to get to that dance just because the next few games go like this. Right now they're playing the Jazz. I think they're about to lose. But then they have the Pelicans, wow. Nuggets, wow. Suns, wow. Warriors, Thunder, wow. and then Nuggets. So that's a pretty tough schedule while the Spurs have, like, the Blazers twice who are starting some dude named Drew Eubanks. <laughs> and <laughs> it's it's not looking good for the Lakers. And I actually want them to show up in the play-in as well because anything could happen, right? Just like what JJ was saying or what John has been saying prior to today. <laughs> and the Brow, he actually hopes to play this Friday versus the Pelicans. John, if if the Brow absolutely goes off on the Pelicans, do you think you'd be changing your tune next next spot? Okay, so I'm going to defend myself. And the reason why I'm going to defend myself is because I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea that I'm not a hardcore fan and I'll want to see th them through oh, even we, the toughest times. We've all been there. The you know, we've gone yeah, to yeah. some dark places. Yeah. The reality is, is, is as kind of I'm kind of setting myself up to be less disappointed because, like you said, I was actually going to bring that up, bro. Is the schedule for the remainder of the the remainder of the season is beyond tough for the Lakers, and the Spurs have a much easier schedule. Granted, the Lakers have more talent, but they haven't been playing like it, and so I just don't see them actually making the plan. I would be pleasantly surprised now if AD is like the AD of 2020 then I will, you know, dang, I'm going to have hope again. Yeah. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, <laughs> shame on me again, I you guess. Can't, you can't fool me again. Something. Yeah. I, I mean, I would love to get my hopes up, so we'll see. But I'm, I've, uh, I, I guess I've reached a pretty dark place, like you said. But hey, guys, it's just basketball, right? Hey, hey, hey. Six games left. What's, what's the Lakers record? I Pelicans. hope it's 50, 50, 500. Okay, so Pelicans, Nuggets, Suns, Warriors, Oklahoma City, and Denver. <laughs> Considering we lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder like three times this year, that's probably an automatic loss. Uh, I, I'm going to say two and four. Okay. I'm going to say, I'm going to stick with... Uh, Three wins just because the Warriors without Steph look lost on the court. They could play the uh, the Thunder and possibly beat them because OKC has no incentive to win. And the Suns already locked the first seed, so if they're smart about it, they should probably rest their stars. Yeah, I mean that's a great okay, point. Okay, so here, go ahead. Here's another here's a question for you, follow-up question. You think they're going to win three games. I think they're going to win two. How many do you think it's going to take for them to make the play-in? I, I don't know who has the tiebreaker between the Spurs and the Lakers. I wish I did. The Spurs do. The Spurs do. The Spurs have the tiebreaker? Yeah. It's going to take three wins, I think. Yeah. It's going to take three wins. I'm going to... 
I'm gonna say something bold. I think they're gonna win four games. <laughs> I think they're gonna have new life with with the brow win. I hope they win four games, but I guess we will just wait to see. Hold up. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 and up. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Westbrook. Russell Westbrook had some post-game comments after they were blown out by the Davis Mavericks. 128 to 110 on Tuesday. And basically, Brad Turner asked him, what are some changes they need to make for the postseason? And Russell Westbrook said, nothing, man. Nothing. <laughs> he also said, you got an answer to winning? You got the answer to winning? And Turner did not have an answer for winning. And obviously, neither does Westbrook. What do you guys think of Westbrook's comments here? Uh, well... The one thing about when athletes do their post-game conference, I know other athletes have his back saying that he doesn't necessarily have to answer the questions, but the reason that they ask these questions when I say they, they're reporters is because the fans want to know, and the fans drop the sport. And the conversation between Russ and this beat writer, Brad Turner, how it ended was that Brad Turner told him what's up, which is, I'm asking the professional, man. Like, you're the professional. You're the guy that plays the game. I don't play the game. So I thought it was a fair question. I thought Westbrook did what he does, which is kind of gave attitude when he's losing. I'm the party pooper. And I don't blame both, but at the same time, you're a professional, Westbrook. You got to do these things. You're not like our dude from Seattle who could just say, I'm just here for so the paycheck. I won't paycheck. get fined? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I won't get fined. I'm not get fined, right? Marshall Lynch, so he's not that. Marshall Lynch is beloved. Right now, Westbrook is not beloved by the fans. Yeah. Hate it. Westbrook is just so, so, okay. I was wrong about Westbrook, obviously. I think it was, I think I had, delusion and a little bit of optimism or a lot of optimism that it could work with LeBron James. I thought it could. I'll help you find Clearly it. that's not the case. I know that injuries have played a big part of it so we really haven't seen if they've been able to make it work with a fully healthy team but that's not an excuse. My biggest issue with Westbrook is his play obviously but nothing makes me more mad than somebody not taking accountability for the way that they're playing. And I think that's the problem that a lot of us Laker fans have with him is that he doesn't, he has an ego. And for whatever reason, he gets super defensive thinking that we're always criticizing him, which in a way we kind of are, right? Deservedly yeah. so. But at the same time, you're a professional making 40 plus million dollars playing a game. And 
we need to see your effort is there, but you need to see improvement. I mean, is that so much to ask? And or I don't even think Turner's question was that bad. It was a lot of the times you have these reporters baiting and goading, trying to get a, a response from them or trying to throw their, you know, get a response that throwing their teammates under the bus or saying something dumb so that they can just blow it up in the media. But I don't think this is the case here. I think Turner's genuinely asking him, what do you think you can do as a team or as an individual to try to make the plan? And Westbrook won't give him the time of day, which is just in bad taste. It just makes you look bad. And just fess up and humble yourself and just, you know, try to answer the question. I want to ask like, you a bunch of PR, questions. like 101, like, you know, if you're a leader on a team, if you're winning, it's we. We won. Like, the team did this. The team is doing well. But if you're losing, it's got to be I, right? I got to do this. And, John, that's to your point. You were basically saying this. There's no accountability. That's the part I didn't like about this either. Westbrook, if you're not playing well, at least be an adult, right? At least be an adult. Own up to it. People are calling you Westbrook for a reason because you're not playing well. Anyway... I'm going to move us on to our next topic here. Nuggets guard Austin Rivers was ejected on Wednesday. And basically, Lance Stevenson was guarding Austin Rivers. Austin Rivers give, gave this like a fake little like elbow to like give space, which maybe glanced Stevenson's beard. And he ended up getting ejected. Austin Rivers got ejected from the game. You could see it on super slow-mo. It, it barely touched him, or maybe it didn't even touch him. I don't know. What do you guys think of this call? Well, for Austin Rivers, unfortunately, it's his reputation that haunts him. It was a weak call, dude, and especially for an ejection, the refs need to review it analyze the replay and make sure that they got it right it was an obvious a phantom foul he did um austin rivers did not elbow stevenson and lance come on refs you know how lance pretends that he dies on the court he fakes that his he broke his spine like bane just cracked his back in the middle of the court we know that from lance so why couldn't they just review the video i I have no idea how this even like happened, but it doesn't surprise me that it was Austin Rivers that got ejected because I'm sure the refs are tired of his stuff, yapping the whole game, complaining, talking a lot of smack. It's what we always say, yeah. your reputation precedes you in the NBA. Happens with Draymond, it happens with Marcus Smart, happens with all the yappers and trash talkers, Drew Crowder and so on and so forth. So. It was whack, but Austin Rivers, come on, man. That's your reputation, too. That wasn't your fault. Let me just rephrase that, but or repeat that. But it's based off reputation, for sure. Lance make him dance Stevenson. <laughs> I'm actually embarrassed that he was once a Laker, that he actually donned a Laker uniform. I, like I, I mean, I, I watched the replay, and I could not believe what I was seeing. He didn't even touch didn't even touch him. And he jerked his head back like he just got in a head-on crash. Tiger, it's wild, man. I just I don't know what to say about it. I there has to be some sort of repercussion that's more than I know that they get fined, but it's such a minimal fine for 
flopping. I think it needs to right. be more heavy-handed. I think they need to really take a look at it, Adam Silver, and, and dole out punishments that actually will prevent this from happening because it's so bad for the game. Yeah. The game is already labeled as soft, as, you know, flopping. And just, it's not, it, I don't, I personally don't have, think it belongs in the game. I'm sure you guys feel the same. I know that there are a lot of people I don't want to see that on replay. And the refs also should be held accountable, like JJ said, for not making the right call. I mean, if you're going to eject somebody, make sure that it's worthy of an ejection. It's not a tumor. Yeah, you're affecting yeah. people's pockets too. Like, the win, first of all, the win column. The, the Nuggets were lucky that they won because they lost the player by, being, by getting ejected. If they lost, that totally affects their seating in a tight race in the West. And yeah. their bonuses, incentives, and play, and when you affect people's pockets, like, you need to be, be held accountable. They're, and I hate that I'm going to say this, but I just have to say it, guys. The refs have been so trash the past few <laughs> months. Like, what Seems happened like to, it. like, not calling fouls in the beginning of the season? Now they're calling everything. Right. It's, it's kind of weak, man. And what's crazy is that we were actually praising the officials at the beginning of the season because we liked the, the gameplay. And now yeah. it's kind of going the other way. I don't know if they could correct this before the playoffs. But I mean, imagine if they make this call in the playoffs. Oh, and that'd this be awful. happens. That would be awful, right? Yeah. My gosh. That would be... Anyway. Uh, that'd probably be Lance Stevenson's highlight, though. <laughs> It'd be the best play he made all year. Anyway, Marcus Smart had some words about Rudy Gobert, and basically they asked him about um, just rim protectors being at the top of depoy like discussions. And Marcus Smart said, "Let's think about it. As a guard, especially on the team that switches a lot, especially on the number one defensive team, you are worried about every single player. And here's the thing: when you see Defensive Player of the Year, that means he could guard all five spots. Nothing against Rudy, but Rudy can't guard all five spots. I could guard all five spots, and I've been doing it, and I've done it very well. What do you guys think of Marcus Smart's comment here?" I can rock with it. And I, I actually rock with it for a few reasons, actually. So I agree with him. I think, but that's, I agree with him to an extent because Rudy Gobert can't guard all five spots. But I also don't think that should be held against him because he is a center and he's not expected to guard all five spots. It's not part of the game plan. That's not, you know, something that the Jazz are going to do. But it, it, Marcus Smart is right. Right? The, the versatility of somebody that can guard all five spots should be considered higher, in my opinion, for a defensive player of the year. Yeah! And if you look at past history, they do favor the big men more than they favor the guards. Right. I don't know what, I don't have the list in front of me, but Michael Jordan won it once. But I'm also going to bring up my Laker homer here, but the fact that Kobe Bryant was never really considered for it, or even maybe even didn't even win it one year when he's been selected for first team all defense many years in a row i think it's over 10 in his career that's ignorant i think it just it's they're biased towards the big band right because you can see the blocks they're the they're they they're the anchor of the defense 
And so they, they get, there's more weight placed on the big men than it is on the guards, which I don't necessarily agree with, but that's just how it is, you know? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with John with, and with alignment with what Marcus Smart said. When I think of a great defensive player, it's if they could guard most of the positions on the floor. The one thing that Rudy does have for him is, based off basketball reference, he's fourth in defensive win shares. So defensive win shares is how responsible is the player in terms of their wins for being a defensive threat. He is not even listed though for defensive box plus minus. And for defensive rating, he's third. So I like defensive plus minus. Um, and if we're gonna talk about being on the floor guarding all five positions, how just how about the argument just being on the floor? Last season against who was it? Sammy's Clippers. Rudy yeah. Rudy wasn't even on the floor. And they didn't even have their superstars, man. They didn't even have Kawhi. So yeah. is he really a defensive player of the year? You're not even out there in the last few minutes of the game, stopping the best player? Rejected! I, I 100% agree. And the more and more that we evolve towards positionless basketball, we have to start thinking about these honors as positionless, positionless basketball too. Like, right. like all NBA first team. Like that should be positionless, especially this defensive player of the year and Marcus Smart got it right. I mean, I think mm -hmm. like if you were making a team, how many teams would you, how many starting fives would you make before you made Ruby, Rudy Gobert your center, right? You gotta go at least like seven or eight teams of starting fives until you get to Rudy Gobert. And that doesn't yeah. feel right. And you know, um, I love John's point, which like Kobe should have won deploy multiple times a year when you think of Rudy it the the style of the game is shooting outside so we don't even have the stereotypical centers like we used to they stretch the right. floor when we think of Rudy he's dominant in the paint but the game isn't played in the paint as much as before yeah, and that's a great point. And also, if you look at the centers and the big men in the league, okay, so there's there's a few elite ones, right? Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, Carl Anthony Towns made that leap this year. Bam Adebayo, there's some good guys. Right. But then you look at guys that Marcus Smart has to guard on a regular basis. Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, Damian mm -hmm. Lillard, Trey yep. Young, Chris Paul, Russ, no, I was going to say Westbrook, nope. De'Aaron Fox. <laughs> I'm going through a list here. You say Trey. And so, Trey Young. I said Trey yeah, Young. And so, his first one, yeah. Like, you guys, like, like, you guys made great points. And just to add to that, Marcus Smart is running around the court chasing Steph Curry and chasing all of these guys off screens. And Rudy Gobert, he's a great defender, but he doesn't have to move as much. He's a, he can, he obviously has to help a lot, but he's not running up and down all around the court chasing guys and so mm -hmm. I got I rock with Marcus Smart's comments a lot I know he's kind of a punk I know he injured your boy Steph but I think he's right on this one right on the money yeah he is right and like you know how you name drop uh Embiid Jokic and Giannis yeah and how Rudy guards those players but he doesn't guard them like Marcus Smart he guards them on the block 
But right. these players are so dynamic in terms of different aspects of the game. Like Jokic and Bead and Cat, you could argue they could shoot from the outside. Rudy's not gonna chase them outside of the the three-point line. That's just a whole different aspect. But Marcus Smart has to do that with Steph and Luca, like what you were saying. Right. So yep. I'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask you guys this. Who is Depoy this year? And I'll give you guys some some choices here. Okay. So, Mikel Bridges, Draymond Green, Marcus Smart, Jaron Jackson, and of course Giannis Antetokounmpo. Do you want me to throw a, someone that should be included in there? Yeah, please. Which I don't think I was thinking about this and. I'll open to admit that I was wrong from last week's pod. And I'm going to name drop Jason Tatum. Ooh. He should have been on the second All-NBA team last week when we released that pod. But for defensive win shares, he is number one. Dang. And they're winning. They're proving it by the wins. Yeah. I've made a huge mistake. John, what you think? Man, uh, that's a tough one, man. I know Draymond has been playing great defense. He got hurt, so he's probably out of the running because of mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you mention Matisse Thibel? He's actually been playing really good defense this year too. I didn't, but he has. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I think I'm gonna have to go with Marcus Smart, and not just because of recency bias. As, it, as that may seem to yeah. be the case. But the Celtics are the number one defensive team. I know collectively they've been doing it, but Marcus Smart is a lockdown defender when you really look at it. He's able to, like you said, he's like a Patrick Beverly, but he actually can do a lot more. He's a much better player than Patrick Beverly is, and he doesn't yap as much. Um, but he can guard all five positions, like you said. He can... He can bother big guys for a possession or two and defend them when, you know, on switches and stuff like that. So I'm going to go with Marcus Smart. I think that's a good choice. And I, and I think I would go with Marcus Smart too. But I think it's going to go to Giannis Antetokounmpo. The only way Giannis doesn't get this award is literally if he wins MVP. Because I think they end up giving that award to somebody else. Um, yeah. But I think it's Giannis this year. JJ, did you have a pick? Um, I was going to say Giannis, but I'm going to... I think it should be Tatum. Tatum. Yeah. Two Celtics. Yeah. Well, the, you could even argue Robert Williams can win it because of his defensive rating. He has the highest defensive rating in the league at 102.1. Dang. So Marcus Smart... Robert Williams, you have Jason Tatum. Tatum. And then it's crazy that how good they are on defense. Just shows how talented they are. Yeah, absolutely. And boys, that's actually all we have for tonight's pod. I want to thank you guys for being on. JJ, thanks for being on, man. Shout out to our Jordanian brother, as John would say. Shout out, Sammy. Absolutely. Shout out. John, thanks for being on, man. Shout out, Sammy. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. 
and shout out to our video producer rj check out our youtube channel remember to rate subscribe and review like us on our facebook group page the clinic all nba podcast and follow us on twitter at clinic all nba i'm rosa panta this is the clinic all nba podcast come find us wherever you get your podcasts